Well, good morning, Seabreeze. Today I'm speaking at Church in the Valley in Diamond Bar, one of the churches that we partner with together here in Southern California. And Randy Lanthrop, who is the pastor of the church that I'm speaking at today, is here to speak at Seabreeze. I've known Randy for about 35 years, and he's just been a great friend and source of help and encouragement to me over the years. Uh, I've learned a tremendous amount from Randy. Uh, Randy started Church in the Valley about 30 years ago, and he's trained up leaders uh, who have gone out and started four other churches. Randy is one of those guys that is able to, with God's help, see the next step ahead, usually in a confusing situation. That's one of the reasons why uh, Randy is the individual who leads the network of churches that we are a part of. Uh, I encourage you to listen carefully to what Randy has to say this morning. He's been a, a blessing to both me and uh, here to Seabreeze. So let's welcome Randy as he comes up on stage. Thank you. It's really good to be here this morning, and I'm, I'm glad you're here uh, as well. My wife, Cindy, as Bevan said, we live in Diamond Bar. Uh, we arrived there in 1987 to plant a church. And just, I'd like to give you a glimpse of my life a little bit uh, as I begin. And so here, here's a picture of Cindy and I at our daughter's wedding in July dancing. I don't, I don't dance, but you know, it's one of the handful of times, less than 10 for sure, that I've ever danced. Uh, but this is out on the, court, the center court here at Seabreeze. I, our daughter's wedding was here. Uh, she, she wanted to be married in a church, and Seabreeze is dear to us, so here, here she was, getting married. Uh, we have two children. My son, Thad, uh, serves on my staff. As administrative pastor, he was two when we started the church. Here's a picture of uh, he and his wife, Gina. They have four kids. And as our, I mentioned, our daughter, Lindsay, just got married. And she married uh, Luke Myers. And uh, here's a picture. This is at the park right across the street here. Um, that's, that's at their wedding, obviously. They, they live in Fort Worth now, which is very sad to, to us in a way. But, you know, hey. They're, they're still getting after what God wants them to do. Luke uh, works for a Bell helicopter in their training center. After you buy a helicopter, they'll train you, which is good, you know, reassuring. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. Uh, and Lindsay works for the 76th Network of Churches as program administrator. So if you've been involved in Horizon or North Star or one of our training programs, then... Uh, She's behind the scenes making those, making those things happen. Uh, here's a picture of our family at our church's 30th anniversary in September. Uh, that's the whole family so far. Um, and then here's a picture of our grandkids right here at the hospital when the youngest was born. He was just born in August. And so on, on your right there, that's Blake. On the left, that's Jeremy. He's next. Blake's six. Jeremy's five. Just turned five. He's very, this is birthday week for Jeremy. And then Ellie, the lady among men in the middle, she is four, three. Okay. <laughs> Had to look at my wife there for a little help. And then JB, we call him Joshua Barrett, after Josh uh, De La Rosa, who spoke, spoke last week. Yeah, he's had a key role in my son's life. Um, as Bevan mentioned, four congregations have been started out of Church in the Valley. 
And Lord willing, we're going to plant another church in August of 2018. And Alex Barrett, whom you're going to hear from next week, he's our campus pastor in Alhambra. Uh, he's going to be leading that team to, to plant the church in Fontana. Um, we, we worship at the community center in Diamond Bar. It's called the Diamond Bar Center. Here's a picture of us celebrating our 30th anniversary. Um, really great place to meet. It's been fantastic, but we have a bunch of young families, and so the kids' space is full, and we need more room for kids because guests don't really like to stack their kids in a room <laughs> when they show up. And so we're, we've decided the first time after 28 years, we decided to launch a building and expansion fund. And so our aim, Lord willing, again, is to move to the Ontario ranch area. It's 12 miles east of us. It's a, it's a little more reasonable to buy a home there. M many of our young families live in that area. So if we were to move to that area, we'd be more in the center of where our people live currently. 150,000 new residents are supposed to move in to there. 47,000 new, 47, new homes. That's, that's a lot of people. And so we're aiming to, to move there to make the most of the opportunity uh, that presents itself there. Um, before I move on, I'd like to say some things about Bevan that he wouldn't say about himself. Uh, first of all, if you're a member here, if you participate here, uh, you, you are led by a man of integrity who really lives his faith. Uh, I, I've watched him over the last 35 years uh, choose God's priorities again and again. Um, you, you may or may not know he, he left, you probably don't know maybe, that he left a lucrative career in advertising as the president of an advertising company to become the pastor here uh, 28 years ago. And then he had to make the same choice again because the owner of that company offered him big money to come back for just a year, just a year, and he'd make big money to come back and do the same thing. So you, you're led by a man who is motivated by the right things, not money. That's not what really motivates him. But he, he's trying to walk with God. He's trying to extend the kingdom of God and live for what's most important to God. And so I, I wanted to say that. He's probably not going to say that kind of thing. Bevan challenges me because he has a real love for the word of God. And he has this ability to dig into it, pull out principles and truths that are really helpful, and communicate them in a way that helps. If you've been around, you know this. I'm not telling you anything new. But he, he's really good at teaching the Word of God and <clears throat> also just wisdom and organizing things. So I, I've learned a great deal from Bevan, and it's, it's a privilege for me to be here to speak to you today. In this series... We're talking about the need to team together on several levels to accomplish God's work in the world. God could do his work any way he wants, but he's chosen to work through churches and the individual believers who make up those churches. A friend of mine says, when, when God works, his people get blisters. <laughs> and that is how it works. That's the way he works. 
in the Teaming Together series, we're highlighting the importance of individual Christians teaming together with other Christ followers in the church to do God's work, but also we're we're talking about the way this church and several other churches team together to accomplish some giant goals that we couldn't accomplish alone. So that's at the heart of this series. In team sports, it's crucial to be able to identify which team, uh, which player belongs to which team as you watch them play on the court or on the field. That's crucial. You, know, you, you, gotta, you gotta wear the colors. Here's a little test. See if you can identify which team is represented by these colors. Check that out. Okay. I, I like this group right here. Give me a little feedback. Um, obviously, UCLA. How about these guys? Cheer. All right. Yeah. I, was, I thought that might happen at some point this morning. Yeah, a little, a little excitement. Here's an easy one. Their name's on the front of this uniform. But, you know, you see those colors, you know, and then this one. How about this team right here? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a baseball guy, but it, that stings a little bit still. <laughs> still not completely over what happened in the World Series. Uh, why, why don't teams mix it up a little? You know, I'm not feeling like blue today. I'm feeling orange. Just going to put on some orange go out on the field. You know, why don't they do that? Teams don't do that because colors establish identity. When you wear certain colors, people know which team you're on. And in, in the same way, a Christ follower publicly identifies as a member of Jesus' team. If you're going to be on a team, there must be a way for others to know that you're a part of it. And when you put on the uniform it shows that you're on that team. And so it's, it's important to let your family and friends, co-workers, neighbors, those around you, it's important to let them know that you're a Christ follower. It's so important that Jesus said this in Matthew 10. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Th this is what baptism is all about. One reason Jesus commanded us to be baptized is so that we would identify as a member of his team. After we decide to follow Christ, give our lives to follow him as Lord, then we're baptized, and it's, it's a, a way to publicly identify as a part of Jesus' team. Th this is crucial. This is important for our own life and growth in him. And then beyond that, if we identify ourselves as a Christ follower at work, in our, among our friends, in our neighborhoods, if we let people know we're a Christ follower, what happens is we have a little less wiggle room in our attitudes, our actions, the words we choose. Because we've identified with Christ and we want to represent the team well. We've got to represent well because a lot's at stake in doing that. If we represent well, then potentially our, our family and friends and 
co-workers and, and neighbors, they may be drawn to investigate what it means to follow Christ as well. So that, that's crucial. If you join the USC football team, you aren't the first one to be a part of that team. You're stepping into a long tradition of team members who have come before you and some who will come after you. The colors you wear link you to the tradition of that team. Real people put on that uniform. They've worn those colors. And this adds a richness to the meaning of being a Bruin or a Trojan or a Laker or a Dodger. And it's the same as we walk with the Lord. The reality of this long tradition, those who've come before us, means that we want to live up to the best of those who've come before us, and we want to set the pace for those who will come after us. And it pulls us along. Those aren't just colors. They, they point to a team and an identity. And teams are serious about their colors, aren't they? They, they wear them proudly. What identifies us? then, as a member of God's team. Our uniform isn't a color, it's a mission. Here's a command Jesus gave his early followers. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The identifying mark of a disciple or a follower of Christ is obedience to his commands. And that obedience is tied to our mission. Our mission is to make disciples who will be followers and do what Jesus would do in the situations that we face every day. People, people can see that we're a part of Jesus' team when we do what he told us to do, when we say what he would say, when we choose his attitude and approach. So baptism is the first step among many. You see it here in this passage. It's the first step among many that a disciple, a follower of Christ takes in order to do what Jesus said to do. When people know that you're a follower of Christ, you identify with him and you choose his attitudes, his actions, his words that he might choose in your life situations, what happens is you leave a taste in the mouth of those around, a, a really good taste. I mean, it's really a good flavor in, in, in the lives of the people around you and if, if you do that, other people who identify with Christ do the same. They begin to recognize, oh, this is the flavor of Christ. This is, this is what it means to follow him. So we wear our colors that way as we obey him. So after you decide to follow Christ, he puts you on the team, and he gives you a purpose. And there is nothing more significant than the purpose he gives his team. Nothing more important than serving on his team. If we can work together to make disciples, 
then what happens when a person, we're, that's what the church's mission is, to make more disciples, to help people come to follow Christ and decide to give their life to him. The moment someone decides to give their life to Christ, their eternal destiny is changed. So there's an eternal edge to the mission that we have here at Seabreeze and other churches in the network and other Bible-believing, Christ-following churches in the world. There's an eternal edge to it because a destiny is changed eternally. So the trajectory changes from living for eternity, separated from God, apart from him, in a place called hell, to living with God for eternity in a place called heaven. Wow, what a privilege it is to team up to do something that has such an eternal significance to it. One way we team together is by serving in the local church. We work together to make disciples. If you're serving here in this church body, then the part you play is the most important year is a part of the most important work on earth. It's the same for churches, however. We can do more teaming together than we can separate. The, the same thing in churches. In our 17-6 network of churches, I believe we're teaming in some ways that are uh, unique, but we're experiencing the reality that we can do more together than we can alone, and we're pulling together to accomplish some giant goals. I'm going to talk about those in a little bit. But the Bible shows that teams working together compound effectiveness. Philemon 6 says this, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. The word partnership here, I'd like to talk about three of the words that were originally written in Greek here. Because the Greek, there's a lot more richness to the meaning of the Greek words than the English words. Um, but partnership in this passage, it's, it's a word that's often translated fellowship. It's, it's the Greek word transliterated is koinonia. And what it literally means is a participatory reciprocity, a mutual reciprocity. So. I serve you, you serve me, I give to you, you give to me. And the give and receive has this compounding effect on our growth in Christ. The passage says it makes us effective. And the Greek word is energos, energy. It's where we get our word energy from. But the idea is that, and it's, like I said, there's a lot more meaning to these words that you can pull out of them, but the idea is that the partnership, the working together, the teaming together, infuses energy into our growth in Christ and has this exponential effect in our understanding of what it means to know him and follow him. Oh, that only happens as we team together, as we come together and work on things try to make a difference together. It increases our understanding. That word is epinosis, and it, it means we recognize things that we wouldn't see if we weren't teaming together because everybody has 
their own gifting, their own abilities, their own angle on seeing things. And so as we work together, there's this compounding effect to our growth in Christ. That's what he's saying. This is true for individuals, and it's true for churches. And as a network of churches, we're working together to do what we couldn't do alone. So I'd like to give you a brief overview of what's happening uh, right now uh, in terms of the vision and the mission of the 17.6 network. I'd like to give you an overview. Our vision is to see life-changing churches multiplying throughout the cities of the world. Now, by life-changing, we mean something specific. Every church that you become, you know, that you, or organization, frankly, that you become a part of and you begin to uh, get involved in, it has a set of values. And if, as you're involved, you, you either adopt those values or not, but there's values that are, are displayed and lived out in, in that group that you're a part of. What we want to do is we want to be life-changing churches so that as people come to know Christ and then begin to walk with him, the participation, being involved in the church then, what it does is it pulls you toward the kingdom values, the, the values that are important to God. So it's like the current of a river. You know, we don't want to be a lake where you go to the lake, go to the lake, you ski, you, you, know, you swim, and then you leave. But we, we'd like to be churches that are more like a river, not stagnant. There's a pull toward the things that are important to God. Nothing that forces you to go that way. But there's this pull, this current that makes the things that are important to God look attractive to the people who are involved. And so to do that, you have to have leaders who carry the culture. And so we want to train and equip leaders who create and multiply those churches who have a culture that pulls people toward what's important to God, toward those kingdom values. So the core DNA of a life-changing church is a culture that shapes kingdom values. This takes concentrated and concerted effort to do this, to figure out how to make this happen. And so we're working on it together. Uh, a kingdom culture shows up in churches in two particular ways, the way we relate and the way we work together. Uh, this church and all of the churches in the 17.6 commit to, as you become a team member, as you become a member of the church, then we commit to working toward what we call hard attitudes. They're, they're right on the outside of the building there. The first four are uh, put the goals and interests of others above your own, uh, live an honest and open life, give and receive scriptural correction, and clear up relationships with others. And if you'll do those relationships here in church life, then you can work hard together. There could be misunderstandings, there could be hurts, there could be disappointment, and you work through those, and you're able to really enjoy things as you move forward in working together. That's true in family life. If you live those hard attitudes out in your family, at work, among your friends, it, it really gives that great flavor to life 
that, it, that happens when you decide to follow Christ, as you obey him. Also, the values show up in the way we work together. And so we have personal and project values that we commit to. Faith, humility, teachability, patience, uh, buying up the opportunity, the value of people, excellence. So as we do what we're trying to do as churches, we want these, these values to show up. And, and then we want to have a certain kind of team spirit in the way we work. We want to have a can-do attitude as we face challenges because they keep coming up, you know. Every project, everything you work on, there's going to be adversity. We want to have a can-do attitude. We want to be inclusive. We want to be cohesive. We want to we move forward in a certain way. So those things embody our values. You can learn more about them as you pursue uh, membership here at, at Seabreeze. But as a network, we're working together uh, to sharpen one another in developing our church cultures to embody these values. We fulfill our mission as a network by accomplishing our mission. We fulfill our vision as, as we accomplish our mission, which is to equip and resource leaders to develop and multiply life-changing churches. Leaders carry the culture of a church, both laypersons and staff. We're designing training programs to equip the pastors and staff to create churches that help members and leaders adopt these values. So here, here are several programs that we've developed, and you may be participating in one or have participated in one. Uh, we have our new program called Horizon, which is created so participants can experience the Christian life the Christian adventure. It's designed to help people in it get strengthened in their relationship with God, learn more about the heart attitudes, learn about how the church works and how we can cooperate together in that. Uh, here's a picture of pastors training together here at Seabreeze in the big room over here last summer. We're getting ready to uh, lead this program, so we're getting trained in, in how to lead it. Seabreeze, I will tell you, has completely changed my view of Huntington Beach. I grew up in Southgate, which is about eight, eight miles from downtown, but I used to come to, to Huntington Beach to surf. And so it used to be like where I surfed. And um, now it's, it's where I have this church I partner with to accomplish what God's called me to accomplish. And it's, if you're involved here, you're having an impact that's way broader than you see right here. It's, it's much broader network that you're involved in. North Star is an entry-level two-year training program for lay leaders it's being used at our churches. There's the logo on the screen. Uh, pastors get together at a, a train-the-trainer where we're learning how to, to lead this program to help the people in it develop in godliness and ministry and leadership understanding. Um, here's a picture of the, the North Star Train the Trainer that we did a few years ago. The Antioch Project is a five-year intensive and intentional ministry training program we offer for men and women who believe God is calling them to vocational ministry. 
unique, hands-on, character-shaping, leadership skills-forming training program at a graduate level. We have currently two campuses, one's at Hope Church in Fort Worth, where Harold Bullock, the founder of the network, pastors. The other campus is here in Southern California, and four churches cooperate in the campus here, and so we move around. Next week, we'll be here uh, for the Antioch Project training. It goes from 2.30 to, to 8. That's more than you need to know. I'm not quite sure why I spun off there. Um, <laughs> But anyway, the pastors that you're hearing from in this, in this series, we all work together in the Antioch Project. Uh, here's a picture of our first graduation uh, in Southern California. It was here at Seabreeze. You might recognize the stage. Harold Bullock, as I, I mentioned, the founder of 17.6, a piece of his vision early on was to establish a graduate seminary level training program to raise up leaders who would go out and start churches and ministries of the kind where I've been talking about. And I heard about that almost 40 years ago. And at the time, I'm, you know, okay, uh, early 20s. I just turned 60. And um, when I heard about it, I thought, great idea, but how in the world is that going to happen? <laughs> you know, I mean, how, how would that come about? In August of 2015, we signed an agreement with Northwest Baptist Seminary in Vancouver, Canada, that allows us to make the Antioch Project a fully accredited Master of Divinity degree. Kind of an amazing thing that God put together out of Harold's dream early on. Here's a picture of our first graduates receiving their Master of Divinity right here. You might recognize a couple of those folks. Um, <clears throat> Amazing things that God's doing through the network. I'm very grateful for it. 17.6 Network's name comes from a statement that was made about some of the earliest Christ followers in Acts 17.6. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Basically, 17.6 Network exists if God were to allow to turn the world upside down, really right side up. Because the world, the way it is, is upside down. And when God flips it, he turns it right side up. When someone comes to Christ, the Lord turns them right side up. And as you get into the word of God and you begin to live it out, take on his character, attitudes that please him, then it's showing us how to live right side up, like the box, a moving box that has fragile, you know, the arrow is going this way. That's what the Word of God does. It shows us which way is up. Our goal as a network is to have influence in our world during our generation. I've shared some of the programs we've developed, and there's no shortage of vision in, in our group. Future plans, if the Lord allows, include a cutting-edge school that would do more than provide a curriculum and a course of study. It would help train and encourage parents to raise their kids uh, who embody kingdom values and provide a team or cohort for both the kids and the parents to, to walk through life with. We're also trying to build bridges to other parts of the world. Here's, here's our front, our homepage of our website. And you see the, the bridge there. 
The piers of the bridge represent the individual pastors and their churches. They can have an impact in their specific location alone. We're limited. Together, though, we can go places that we can't go alone by building bridges. So that's what we're doing. The pastors of the network are willing to pool resources of money, time, and energy to work on building these bridges. So we're working to extend our churches here in the U.S., but also to other countries. Uh, we're working on translating the North Star training program into the Thai language. Here's the, that's the, I can't read that, but um, <laughs> there it is. Uh, that's the logo in Thai. We have a friend who's in Bangkok, Thailand, and he sees the need for this kind of training program that will fill the gap uh, in the training of uh, Thai believers as they come to Christ and begin to grow in him. So we're working on that. Uh, we're continuing to build bridges to Germany uh, and with friends there through friendships we all share. Uh, here's a picture of Joe Gadotti and Matt Sturdivant from Hope Church and myself. Joe Gadotti's the executive pastor here. Matt's the executive pastor at Hope Church, and then I'm me. Um, <laughs> but we went to Germany to build friendships and try to find out, we went to three cities in Germany primarily, Bonn, Germany, uh, Jena, Germany, and Braunschweig. Friends there who are doing ministry, they're starting churches, different things are going on. We were looking for ways that we could help. We're going shoulder to shoulder as churches, trying to extend our work to places we can't go alone. So those are some of the ways we're partnering as churches to do more together than we could do alone. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad you're here and that you're able to see some of the connection of Seabreeze to a broader network of churches who are teaming together. And I hope it's been encouraging to you as I've spoken. I'd like to suggest a couple of next steps as I wrap up the message this morning. And these are just for you to consider. Maybe, maybe you'd like to take one of these steps. Uh, as, as you think through ways to apply, there may be something else that is on your mind or heart that, that God wants you to do as well. Uh, but first one, look for ways you can identify with Christ this week. At work, with friends, maybe extended family who, who don't know you follow Christ. That way, a little less wiggle room in the way you relate. And then the second step would be to explore ways to work on the team here at Seabreeze. Because as you work here, as you pull in to do what God's called Seabreeze to do, you have a broader impact, and it's of eternal significance. So those are a couple steps I'd suggest. Would you pray with me as we get ready to move on in worship? Father, we thank you for the truth we find in your word. It really does shape our perspective on life and give us direction and purpose. Thank you, God, for giving us the responsibility of doing ministry, working together, teaming up. And I pray that, God, you'd really 
give us the energy and the power to uh, take the steps that would please you as we consider it right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.